Welcome to Leadership Bites with myself, your host, Guy Bloom. This is a leadership podcast where I have conversations with colleagues, I chat with guests, and sometimes they'll be just me talking. You can connect with me at livingbrave.com. And when you enjoy the episode, subscribe and please tell everyone. So listen, let's, uh, let's, let's rock and roll and um, get, get into character. So, um, you know, <laughs> Lou, it's fantastic to have you on this episode of Leadership Bites. I always start these by saying, look, obviously I know who you are because I've invited you on um, and we've worked together. So, um, yeah. you know, which is, we were just talking, that's like a, a flashback to the past, but Lou, just who are you, who you're working for, what's the role, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get stuck into it. Super. Hi, Guy. Um, yeah, great to be here. It's um, a new thing talking on podcasts for me and something that I've kind of got my confidence up a little bit more to talk about the agenda and, and what I'm all about. So I'm Lou Houston. I'm Head of Inclusion at Tarmac. Um, Tarmac are uh, the UK's largest um, construction company. We um, have around 6,000 employees in the UK and we're part of a really big group called CRH who are global and we have about 80,000 employees worldwide. Now, the reason I reached out was was 2.1. It was just great as you came across the old LinkedIn stream and, you know, various things and me going, oh, of course, Lou, plumb an egg. Um, but, you know, depending on what the role is, it would have been worthy of a chat, but maybe not worthy of the podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, uh, lovely to connect, but, you know, I'm, I'm head of sausage making, which would be awesome, but not relevant to me, <laughs> you know, when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm doing leadership. But, you know, that, that head of inclusion, it's, um, and I need to be very careful when I say this, but, you know, some, I was going to say, I almost said the word, it's it's a trendy thing now, and I pulled myself back because that would have been a really mm-hmm. wrong thing to have said. But it's it's relevant. Let's say it's become relevant. more relevant. I think maybe it was a thing that maybe people, you know, head of inclusion, inclusion, you know, what does that mean? But I think maybe I w- I'm going to be the philistine on behalf of philistines and say mm-hmm. you're at a social gathering and somebody says, oh, inclusion. You know, uh, what's that about? You know, what's what's that response that you give people to bring them up to speed? Yeah. Okay. So, um, first of all, I'm great at a dinner party. Really good. Um, and my husband loves it because I got on a soapbox quite a lot. Um, but I think um, from a corporate perspective, what I'm pretty delighted about is that Tarmac have been taking this journey seriously for a good few years. Actually, I've been in post for two years. And unlike some organisations that have reacted and still positive to the kind of Black Lives Matter movement or the Me Too movement um, and thought we really need to be on this, we were on it before, so good for us. Um, how did the role come about? I've worked in HR for a number of years, as you know, you and I have worked together um, from HR operations, but more recently as head of talent for Tarmac. So this is the first thing I say to a lot of our leaders. We get the PC stuff, talk about talent, talk about who you want to bring into your business and who you want to keep within your business. Because if you try and think of it that way, so we want the best talent within our businesses. We all want that. And we want everybody who works within our businesses to bring all they've got to the party because we want the best ideas. We want that good mix of um, conflict, um, challenge, ideas, all of those things. And you will only get that when people feel like they belong and they and they feel like they can do that within an environment. So they're safe. They feel safe enough, I guess. So as a business, as a construction company within a big old industry, which we are, think about next gen, people that want to come and work for organisations. When they look at your careers website, they're looking at, you know, how sustainable are you? What's your carbon footprint? Do I really want to associate myself with you? And I think if we're honest about it, construction um, is a long way back from kind of, you know, wanting to work for Google or Amazon or all these kind of really hip companies. So I think as an industry, we recognised a number of years ago, unless we did something, we were going to seriously be in trouble in a, in a number of years, an ageing demographic workforce um, and, and, and not lots of innovation. There is lots of innovation when you get into it. But from that side in, you wouldn't see that. You'd see somebody tarmac in a road or quarrying um, in a quarry. So I guess that's my number one. I've got lots more to talk about on that, but I guess that's at a dinner party. I guess that's what I would say. It's all about bringing people in and making people feel like they belong. And who doesn't want that, right? So what I'm what I'm hearing there is, I mean, there's people in in roles already in an organisation. 
that maybe, and I don't want to use the word, I, I always offer the first word I was going to say, because I, I recognize that sometimes it's completely the wrong word, but it, it also tells me that I may have old thoughts in my head, right? You know, so I was going to say, you know, bias. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But I, I don't want to hide from that. So I offer it out. Yeah, no, I'm about to say a word. I'll tell you what it is. Then I'll choose the right word. But, you know, so, so some people are almost institutionalized by the environment that they're in. I've been here a long time and I see the world through that particular lens. I'm not a bad person doing bad things, but, you know, I was, you know, I kind of uh, imprinted on that when I started chicken and egg. And yeah. now you're asking me to look through a different lens. So yeah. there's that, you know, if you pick up the, the, the stick, you get both ends. And then, so I've been here a long time. And you've then got those people in the middle of that distribution curve, I guess, who are, well, I do have a particular sort of frame of reference, but if the majority of people are looking through that lens around me, the safer yeah. thing to do might be, you know, to, to share that perspective, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll go that way. And then you've got people on the outside looking in, who what I'm hearing from you there is that so it is about inclusion when I'm in but will I feel included if I come is that is that almost that that full spectrum that we're talking about there well you know you can't have diversity without inclusion so you can do all you want around uh updating your website putting out the good corporate messages but when people come in if they don't feel it straight away they'll leave so that that's not a great situation to be in I think we can all agree on that I think uh, what you're talking about is the uncomfortable conversation. And believe you me, I've had a number of them and that vulnerability piece. Right. And, and, you know, and that's and, and actually the third thing, and I think it's a really important point to make, and I make it a lot with our senior teams, is that we're really successful at what we do. Go us. You know, we, we've got this. We're you know, the UK leading. We're part of CRH. We're massively successful. And actually, we've done that with very little diversity, if you take it on face value. And of course, that's not. Of course, that's that stuff like, you know, how do we look? But I'm talking about the stuff behind that, like what we can't see, the beliefs, the kind of, um, uh, the way we deal with things, our learning styles, which, of course, you you would know an awful lot about. So I have a mixed bunch. I have a bunch of people who have been on their own self-journey and get it. They get that, actually, this is the way the world is changing and we need to change and we need to reflect people that we serve otherwise we'll be left behind and there's lots of examples in business companies that have done that and um were really massive and fell really fast because they did not keep up um and then there's the ones that are kind of you start talking to about it about belonging and they all of a sudden start thinking well this does mean something to me just because i'm white middle-aged senior manager i still want to feel like i belong and 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 something that has happened with us is that with this kind of sandwich generation where we're looking after children, but we're also looking after our parents. And a number of managers within our business have had to work more flexibly than they did 10 years ago because they've got different responsibilities. So all of a sudden this agenda means something to them too. And I think that's an important thing to say that a lot of people initially think about inclusion, think about the tick box, race, the kind of gender, the kind of stuff you can see. But when you delve beneath that, we all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel like relaxed. We feel like we are, we are at home. Um, and that's really, really important. So I have a I have a spectrum of people. But again, when I walk into a room and we, I say, I know you've got four hours of me, look at you. Um, and often I can think people, not always, but there's a, there's a part. And I know people do it and that's okay. I think I really use these four hours doing something else. Usually, and I would say, 90% of the time they walk out of the room going, I really enjoyed that conversation. That was yeah. such, a, such a different conversation to stuff I do day in, day out, and I'm going to do something different both personally and with my team. And that's really motivational for me because every conversation counts. And I'm very interested in, you know, when you've got younger organisations in the sense of I work with some private equity-based organisations, they're just, they and they're startups. And, you know, they are generally London based. They're of a a younger age. And I wouldn't say there's an automatic diversity. That wouldn't be relevant to say. But, you know, they are inherently more diverse Mm -hmm. because they're almost at that starting block. And geographically, it's more of a mixed demographic anyway. And blah, 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 blah. But then, of course, when you have organizations, as you point out, that have been around, well, in most of us for living memory, 
Yeah. You know, I, I've always known that name, Tarmac, for example. Yeah. And you've got long tenure. Then it's not an organization's uh there's no reason you know we're not going to start getting rid of people who are perfectly <laughs> great no we're going to have a forced mix here um yeah. but actually the tenure of course then may mean that actually the, the the turnover here is of a level that even even if we forced certain hiring protocols it would still take you know, potentially a decade to come through. Yeah, oh, um, I've done it. Yeah. I've modelled it out. Yeah, oh, right. I, I mean, we modelled it out. We've got really long servers. So we've either got people that leave and leave quite quickly. And as we know, like the new generation um, do that anyway. That's People move around more so than they, they did traditionally. But yeah, we've also got really, really long service and brilliant, you know, especially in a, a heavy industry like, like ours. You know, that experience counts, um, you know, when you're dealing with kind of, geology and those sorts of things yeah. sort of all learned experience and so, so yeah you I absolutely agree with you I think it, it really there's two points here number one is you need to know your data so okay let's know where we're at what what we are what where are we trying to get to and um there's a number of things we did there to understand the current makeup of the workforce and what they really wanted out of this agenda so that's number one and number two um we've set some ambitions so we haven't set targets um, we've decided to call them ambitions um, and we are tracking those ambitions so I think it takes away straight away that vulnerability of perhaps a demographic that are in the majority that think I've got no chance here anymore I'm, I don't fit what they want for the future that's absolutely not the case and that's you know it's a lot of reassuring the workforce that this is about us all it's just about um, being welcoming to all and, and safeguarding this business into the future everybody everyone's here and and we're good at what we do so it's, it's a really valid point guy i've added a couple of things down just from hearing you talk there and one thing is that strikes me is it's almost an interesting balance of don't beat yourself up as an organization because you can't force certain things to shift in terms of hires etc but also don't let yourself off the hook either and that's an interesting balance i guess of you know what is uh well you know what can we do other than maybe go on the training course versus hold on houston we may have a problem here hey uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boom, you see what I, i've been waiting i've been saving that one i didn't know i, 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 I know i, know if I was going to be able to get it in <laughs> <laughs> at one point i was um i was self-employed and i um doing like HR consultancy stuff and and I nearly call myself Houston HR or HR we have a problem except to white because I just thought even though I think people would remember you um yes yeah, so I'm oh, sorry before before you said that yes yeah, so there's a number of interventions yeah I mean one one thing I mean, and again really interesting a lot of people say what can I what what can I do and I was like not one thing tell me if you find out the one thing because I'll be really interested to know but it's um it's one a lot of little things that will add up to one big thing and and, and gain momentum and I, I think I said at the beginning of this I don't I've only recently started talking externally quite a lot about this journey because I feel like at Palmer we're at a point where we've got the foundation in place not all the brilliant basics but we've really worked hard on it and I feel like now it's more genuine I could be more genuine about talking about this journey because I feel like we're on the journey whereas at the beginning when people were asking me to talk about it I felt like if a member of Tarmac listened to me talk they would say well really because I don't feel any of that and I don't get me wrong there will be people in our business still feel that way because I'm a realist and we have a connected employees and we have unconnected employees so employees that are on quarries around the roads and stuff and it's a real challenge for me and COVID has brought even more challenges around not actually touching everybody but I feel that as a as a business we've committed to it so um i feel more like i can talk about it honestly um and feel okay about that because there are other things well so there are oh oh i'm still here a little bit of feedback Mm -hmm. there are tangibles then there are jigsaw pieces which you can now identify and yeah. whereas what I'm hearing there is at the start, it may have been an aspiration. It may have been, you know, I, I've got the, I've got the roadmap, but I haven't, we haven't visited any of these places yet. Yeah. And, and I wonder just for you, what are the, 
what are the jigsaw pieces? What are the symbols that say to you, because you can talk about it to your blue in the face, you can beat the drums and all of that kind of stuff. And you can be even given inverted commas permission to do it because then you become part of the tick box exercise. Oh, we've got somebody that does that. Um, You know, exactly. You know, here I am, but for you to go, yeah, I'm, I'm, this isn't just a, a charade. This is a real thing. How do you know it's real? Okay, so yeah, I think I think it's really important up front to say that when the role merged from head of talent to head of inclusion, I was completely overwhelmed, completely like because I, I feel it and I want it and I des- you know really placed all the things that I believe in. So it was a massive opportunity to make a difference. So amazing don't come along that often in your career. So number one, so I booked myself onto loads of like seminars and like listened, you know, remember those days we could go into a room. And um, what I really struggled with with this agenda was I used to listen to big businesses talk about this, but they would never really talk about the detail. What did you actually do? What did you actually do? Because I can't, all I can hear is this, this big business words around, you know, culture and uh, freeze and all this stuff. So um, I actually... Um, reached out to a number of leaders and um, had conversations like this. And I'm really grateful to a number of people that took their time out to talk to me about it. So um, I think, first of all, the, the most important thing, well, actually, there's, there's a number of important things, but knowing where you are, but knowing your data is really important because you don't know where you are, you don't know what you're dealing with, and you don't know how to measure it. And measuring any change programme is, is really critical. I think listening to your employees is over and above you know everything you need because it informs your agenda but there's listening and there's hearing and I think the reaching out to our employees via an employee survey which was anonymous find out one a bit about their demographic you know the tick box but also asking them what do you want to see and then as a senior management team sitting down looking at that and saying okay so this is where we are is what our employees want to see and what do we do in between to get us to there and there's a number there's a, key, a number of key things that we did I, you know I've, I've talked about training I kind of say be ready to invest so from a senior management perspective there's a number of ways there invest pound signs so um, we've invested in um, some of our policies so for example our maternity policy used to only pay uh, I think it was 12 weeks full pay we now do six months full pay because we recognize that actually um our gender split wasn't where we wanted it to be we want to attract and retain more women and that's the key policy along with flexible working so that's got a cost implication the other cost implication was stuff like our facilities out on site the facilities in our industry are, are built for um men um and actually it makes a real assumption that um men don't want a safe um space to use the bathroom use the shower uh do some prayer or meditation you know it makes an assumption that you know this is a different demographic but actually a lot of people want that and the survey told us that so invest in stuff like that training i've talked about it's a massive um part of it and then what something that's been really fabulous for me is kind of personal stories so one of our company values is proud and um when I was talking to our employees about what does it what tell me what what inclusive feels like and a lot of people say well I, I feel like I want to be proud to work at Tarmac I want to be able to say to people like and I'm proud of who I am so we came up with this campaign well actually um somebody who works for me I'm right she um is a wizard these things and she came up with proud to be me and um what did that do for us it, it spotlighted real people and their real backstories and it's so powerful that so we now use this proud to be me as a way of introducing ourselves at all our meetings so before I would come on I would say I'm Lou Houston and I'm proud to be me for these three reasons it could be anything it could be I'm you know I'm, I'm proud to be gay I'm proud to get a degree I'm proud to work a time it doesn't matter we don't we don't describe it but what I would say is I found out things about colleagues that I've worked with for over 10 years I didn't know it's really it kind of opens the conversation and then we've set up um, employee we call them commun- uh, communities but you may know them as networks or employee resource groups and they're dedicated groups that provide a voice from our employee groups into senior managers because a member of our executive committee sponsors each of those so I'm already seeing that traction so around the XCOM table it's not just me and the HR director talking about this but our kind of 
MDs about regional businesses, our strategy director talking about LGBT or BANE communities. And that is so powerful because getting other people to talk about a community they don't necessarily identify with is where you want to be. This is where we start to see stuff happen and stuff moving. That was a lot, right? Yeah, and I find this really intriguing. There's, you know, there's these symbols. You know, I often talk when I'm working with teams about symbolic acts, symbolic gestures, the things that tell the rest of the organization that this is a genuine thing and yeah. it's here to stay. So what yeah. whatever those, those things might be. And when I hear about something like I'm proud to be me, that that's you could bring it in as an as an intervention but of course if leaders of the business start to actually stand up and go hi everybody so listen i'm proud to be me because and then they offer an element of vulnerability in recognizing that it doesn't make them vulnerable yeah therefore giving people a permission and even an expectation then it's the intervention is the thing and that's a that's great but of course it has to be role modeled it has to be seen so i'm hearing that yes you've done it but what i'm I'm hearing there is that that's been picked up and you're seeing people at a weighty level um, yeah so we did a um just before covid actually in february i know it's february because it was um day before valentine's day we had a big debate about could we keep everyone away on valentine's day we agreed we could in the end um but our senior manager so the uh, senior vice president um and all of his direct reports and anybody that went on stage that day. So my guess is there's around 200 senior leaders that introduced themselves via Pride for Me. And we heard about disability, we heard about family, we heard about um, social mobility. Um, somebody uh, got up and talked about being pre-menopausal, wow, in a room full of guys. And uh, and then said, wow, I can't believe I just said that in a room full of guys. Um, but you, you're absolutely right. It brings vulnerability and it also, it just makes people human. And we are all human. And uh, although, you know, we show, I'm sure people have got a work work persona and a personal persona, and that's also absolutely fine. But what, what worked a real trick with that is that it, it wasn't, it's not prescribed at all. You say whatever you want to say. You really don't want to share something, you don't have to. Um, and then as management teams, a lot of teams have taken it and done it within their teams as well. But again, it's like, if you don't want to take part, you don't have to. So it, yeah, it gives the backstory. But a, lot, a few people have um, really brave enough to come forward and talk about being um, a member of LGBT. Um, and we've, we've highlighted them in magazines and stuff. And it just starts the conversation. And, yeah, and, and, you know, I'm... I'm male um, and, you know, male mental health is a thing, I think, as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think it's twice the rate of suicides for males than it is for females. Yeah. And and that's an interesting one, I suppose, particularly in a probably a fundamentally, I'm working a lot in the construction industry and it is predominantly male, yeah. um, you know, especially at the pointy end, um, so to speak. Yeah. And so those, those things about bringing... Uh, there are, what, what would I say here, I guess, there are the flagship kind of things that you can say, hey, that's inclusion. And it's interesting, I suppose, that if somebody can say, yeah, I, I love poodles. Yeah, or something. And not Rottweilers. I've been wanting to say it for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, not, 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 not Rottweilers, which would be yeah, the yeah. manly thing to say, but no, and, and, my, and Chihuahuas. And not to be... I mean, you know, and that's an interesting thing, isn't it? And I've I've never really been confident enough to say that because, you know, maybe that would... So am I excluded? Well, actually, I don't think that's any less powerful than anything else. Yeah, like I said, it's about getting to know the human behind the job title and, and yeah. starting the conversation and, um, and realising that other people have got stuff going on. So a good example, and I... I think would this have happened anyway? We were, the Zoom, obviously the Zoom thing that everyone's going on, and um, there was somebody who worked who was a senior manager, and um, he was having some real mental health issues with his with his daughter during during lockdown. And one of our senior managers was calling him about you know I don't know end end of month stats or whatever that might be, and um, 
very the more senior manager said that I just could just tell them something. So uh, rang him back up afterwards and said, definitely something going on here, isn't there? Or is everything okay? Ask the question, ask the question. And then of course it all came out and we, we managed to support and um, that employee was proud, uh, was um, came forward and we, we did a bit of a, um, one of these kind of conversations that people dialed into and listened to. And that was really powerful because you're absolutely right. We, we link up with um, an organization called Mates in, in Mind. Um, who, who obviously in mental health, especially for, for men, because we are predominantly male. Um, but just listening to a senior manager talk about mental health, because that was part of his story and what was going on in his life, again, small thing that kind of is massive replicate, you know, out in the workforce for people to hear that. And we have unfortunately had suicides, and whereas before it'd be Yes. Not, we were all devastated. We've had people talk live on these things about how that felt to be the line manager or how that felt to be the crew member of. Um, and that's really interesting. And I'm not going to take credit for all of that, but I, am, I do believe that the IND agenda is helping us have that conversation. Yeah, and I, um, I think I've been fascinated by that as I've done coaching and more in this space as well in terms of, uh, sorry, in the COVID times, just that, that's become quite relevant. And... I was just having a, a session with somebody not so long ago and he'd had a conversation with me and that, you know, this is a very strong individual, physically strong and a large man. And, you know, all the, all the symbols of, you know, strength were there, but actually, you know, there was an inherent pain that he was sitting with. And when we started to have the conversation, what became clear was, you know, he's, his daughter had, basically turned around and said you know why is work more important to you than me right and you know collective oh yeah exactly and it's it's fascinating stuff and and i wonder and i just wanted to check in with you because i'm willing to kind of hold my own kind of um lack of understanding on these things sometimes the ability from somebody to share that, you could say, well, that's, you know, there's a mental health umbrella there. There's the what it was doing to him, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But what, does that sit under inclusion? Is that the ability for me to, just the fact that I as a male can share my sense of fear, that's not as obvious as I have a disability or I'm in a blah, blah, blah. But does it still sit in, the, in that camp? It's really interesting, Guy, because... Um... I, I say a lot that kind of I feel like I'm the conscience of the business sometimes, right. but I can't be. I can't be in every conversation and, sure. and be every place for everyone every time. And I often get called and asked, "What do you think, Lou?" And that that that's great, you know. I, you know, and but I'll often say, "Well, what do you think?" Because we're all human. We all kind of get this. I think what the inclusion or the, these sort of conversations start is that openness of the, you know that we aren't just a job title that we have we've all got stuff going on and I think um I think I think I think at that vulnerability piece I mean it's obviously a real huge part of um great leadership and management is knowing you're vulnerable and and, and taking that plunge isn't it um but yeah I think I, th- I think you can't change happens and and inclusive culture happen when everyone everyone plays their part in that I just like to think that I sort of start the conversation and, and kind of light the uh, light the match and, and then people have to go on their own journey. So the training course I talk about, when I finish doing the session, we send TED Talks and we say, like, have a look at this. I say to them, try and pick up a different publication, try and listen to a different podcast, try and in your community or when you're at the next work conference, go and talk to somebody you don't know. Just so many small things that can mean that actually you start getting a bit broader around your thinking and your your opinions on stuff so i can't do that some people leave the room and just don't pick up the same publication and do what what they're doing sure Uh, uh, so maybe inclusion is anything i can talk about anything if it makes me feel included yeah belonging the the concept of belonging is is i think one that people can resonate with everyone can think of a situation where you've walked into a room whether that be at school in a workplace at university a conference whatever and felt, oh, I don't belong here. You know, everybody's got that. And, and if someone tells me they've never been in that situation, lucky them, because everybody has. 
So I kind of always said to them, think about that situation. Think about if you were living that day in, day out, coming into your workplace, how that would feel. Most people would be devastated to think that anybody in their team or their business would feel that way. So I love the concept of belonging because I think we can all resonate with it or it means something to all of us. Yeah, I think that resonates very strongly. And I wonder what the, I mean, I can guess, but I, you know, this is your space. What are the barriers to this? What are the things that stop people? Well, I don't know if it's intellectually understanding it because I don't think it's it's per se complex, but it's what I call willful disassociation, which is I intellectually understand what you're saying, but I'm just not going to go there. Yeah, there's a real you know mixture of, of people. I think um, I think barriers are are there, and there are also perceived barriers that aren't there. But the person, it's the person that's kind of looking at it seeing it so I think that's where you know we talked about employee communities and listening to those underrepresented groups that's really important it's also important to and that's where my role does come in a lot actually just have the time and the space to stand back and really think about barriers there's something really simple that we did around attracting people to come into our workforce was review our job descriptions so I know it sounds like really simple, but what happens a lot in a busy workplace, um, we're all like fast thinking, not slow thinking. So we're like, that person's left quickly. Let's dust the job description offer that we used 10 years ago, whack it out onto, you know, LinkedIn, we'll attract somebody or whatever. Actually taking a step back and going, okay, how does that read? What does that look like? So we took off stuff like needs experience of, you know, Ashfeld. We don't need experience of that. We've got a, we've got a safety path that can train you that but we do really need good customer service and we do really need people that uh, are willing to learn and willing to be trained so come and join us and yes yeah, and also that. you know i say to our site managers if we keep advertising quarry weekly guess who we're going to get who's reading quarry weekly but we know our we set up a new resourcing hub which is also one of the massive things that we did on this and you know we obviously uh, uh, use linkedin but we also, you know, use of like Mumsnet and, uh, you know, linking with partnerships with um, um, organisations um, that represent people that are perhaps ex-vendors or jobless or, um, you know, with the local religious groups. And what we found is by widening the net and changing job descriptions, we're removing the barriers without even thinking about the barriers because it's fast thinking versus slow thinking, stop and think yeah. about it. We didn't need to replace square peg, square hole, or would, would something a little bit different work a bit better for us? So I think a lot of that is step back. I get that that's really hard. It's, um, it, it is interesting, though. Things When we talk about this, a degree would be uh, having had to have gone to university. Oh, we stopped all that. Yeah. We stopped yeah. loads of that. We I stopped had, loads uh, of it. I had an experience a little while ago that when I was working before I went self-employed, somebody took over the role of uh, leadership development before I took yeah. over the role of leadership development. And uh, after a couple of months, I asked us to have a little bit of their time. And I said, does that amount of interest? Uh, it, would you have given me the job if I'd have applied now? And the answer came back, no. Mm-hmm. And I went, which I knew was rhetorical because I knew where I was going with it. And I said, and can I, can I check in why, or shall I tell you why I think why? And they said, well, tell me why you think why I said, because I haven't got a degree. Mm. And they went, yes, I wouldn't give anybody a degree in leadership if they, sorry, a leadership role, if they didn't have a master's in leadership development or something along those lines. And I said, so regardless of the fact that in terms of, customer reaction or net promoter or anything like that i significantly usually get the highest ratings amongst the board that's still a factor for you i know yeah it it's is like, and they couldn't like let it go you know i, I know it and, and it's that you're right it's the stepping back and looking at yeah. and, and actually just say that. that so i felt excluded i resigned yeah, actually there's a barrier right and then when they left i came back and got the job it was hilarious yeah. but, that, but it's just i felt so excluded i was like yeah. oh but what also yeah. my challenge to you is that that's probably yeah. your your thing as well and I'm sure it's not I hope it's not anymore with how successful you are but I think you know sometimes you think oh no I, I haven't got to go I'm not going to get that so I'm not going to go for it and we something I oh. talked about right at the beginning of this was this talent pipeline a lot yeah. and what I see now and what makes me feel happier is when I look down you know to the three to five year plus side 
I'm starting to see some diversity there. That's again because the training that we've given to line managers when they're doing the talent reviews is around step back and really look at this. Like, what do we really want? What is talent? What is your perception of talent? What is your unconscious bias? What why are you picking that person to do the development opportunity? Why not that person? And you know, it's turning it all on its head, which is really uncomfortable. And I think, you know, you're ready to be uncomfortable if you're really ready to go on this journey because it is hard. And I think when I took that talent role and I kind of said, why are the same names? What, what are the same names? And if they've been on the talent radar for two or three years, why don't they know our next leadership team? And what, why? It's the why. Why are we doing it this way? And, you know, I'm sure I'm a headache. I'm sure I am. And I sometimes even apologize before I say it. And I, I'll say sometimes, you know what I'm going to say? And I think... Uh, I think there's a collective, we know what you're going to say. But I just, yeah. like, yeah. I'm winning a bit when people start doing it before I say it. They know what I'm going to say. And I think that's okay. I, I think, you know, you're if you're not paying me to be a saboteur, but you are yeah. paying me to hold space on an opinion or on a way of thinking that you yourself have tasked me with doing. So I'm going to use that license. And I often say, well, I always say it to pitch, when I'm pitching for business, I go, listen, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Um, because I think, Lou, you're very similar to me in the sense of, because I will give it to you. And if your people feel the change and then the problem with the change is that you won't change, yeah. then you'll end up doing more damage than when you started in the first place. Yeah. And I think, you know, I absolutely agree with you. And I say, I think a lot, you know, we've started this journey. So we've put ourselves out there. We're saying, we want to include you. We want, and this is our ambition. This is our vision. Everything I do underpins that we do as a business. But be careful what you ask for. And, and what, what what you see a lot in an in a inclusive culture is um, people coming forward, raising perhaps a harassment or bullying um, issue because they feel that they can they feel like the environment's ready to accept it and actually it's quite a positive indicator of course it will level it off um but i think if you're telling your employees this is what as a business we are we are about you've got to be ready then for people to say well that's not what i feel so what are you going to do about it and that's where i say be ready to invest because it's not just pound signs it's actually you've got to invest time yeah. and you've got to invest hearts and minds into this because this isn't something you can just tick box if you've gone to do it properly you can't tick box and, and it's t- people can see straight through it people can see straight through when it's a tick box and I, you know I'm really passionate about that and I really hope that um that I'm coming across as that because I am a realist and I know it's going to take time and I know there'll be good pockets of behavior and, and bad everywhere but you know progress against um against any agenda is um is good and, and 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 the other thing I would say is don't wait for it to be perfect to do it because I got myself in a bit of a tears at the beginning of this I didn't want to upset anybody and I want to bring everyone along with me and um oh, it needs to be perfect because I don't want to upset that group and I don't want to upset and actually I've kind of had to really take a step back and say to myself I'm doing this genuinely we're doing this as a business with all the best intentions and if if for some reason somebody gets offended along the way talk to me about it and, I, and I'll, I'll look at that because I'm open to it not doing anything is actually louder uh, because not doing anything is awful. Um, and yeah, I hope uh, the people that work with me can see that and feel that from me. And I, I guess that what also happens is that part of that person's reaction to you is part of their change often. And if you have enough evidence that says, actually, no, I'm, you know, of course I can always learn to say something differently or better. That's the stuff of life, but actually my message, do you trust my intent? Do you understand that I'm coming from a a good place? Fine. So actually I might can, I can take the feedback that maybe that word wasn't the right word or something like that. If, if I'm off cue there, but the reality is how much of that probably sits with them. And I'm, I'm quite interested. No, I'm not. I'm incredibly interested in, something that plays into the caricature of this but also is sometimes true which is when people weaponize it and i don't know if that what what do i mean by that is when if somebody wants to almost start to utilize the agenda of inclusion to push an agenda that they have and when i look to the states for example that there is a lot of stuff going on over there which has literally weaponized these topics 
to the point where they're pushing for things to a level that seem to go beyond the reasonable? Yeah, I, you know, that's a tricky one. I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer on, on a global scale on that, but I think... Um, <laughs> I think it's it's whatever whatever something that you're comfortable with might be something that I'm not comfortable with, and I think that's again something you've got to navigate through with this with this agenda. I think um, I've certainly seen a change in our leadership teams in America being really more vulnerable and open about the fact that the events that have been happening over there are not good enough, and it's time time has changed time to change. So there'll always be people pushing an agenda for whatever reason that might be, and um, I think, just going back to my previous comment, I think as long as your intention is there and the majority are doing it for the right reasons, there'll always be a blocker, there'll always be somebody pushing their own agenda for something different. And, you know, I think I think letting them know that, because I think people sometimes, I like to think, they're not doing that consciously, I'm forever the optimist. Um, so, you know, calling them out on that and um, understanding the reasons that usually there is a reason you know that as well as I do if you're pushing something that's usually a backstory and um, I also think in, in IND that I try and say you know let's talk it out and let's not scapegoat anyone around this so we've had some employee relations cases where genuinely the wrong thing has been said or the intent I don't think has been there so we've talked it out we've made it a bit of a, learn, a, a teachable moment and then we've moved on from it now if it happens again the week after that's different for me because you know you've kind of taken the time but I think taking the scariness away from the agenda around you know and I, I know it's hard I find it hard too imagine being head of inclusion and then saying the wrong thing I mean it happens you know I'm human I don't know all the answers and you know it, it, I, it's a lot of pressure to carry on your shoulders it really is so I totally get it out in the real in the real world with real line management um but like I said having the right intent and doing your best is all you can do yeah and I think the reason I bring up the weaponizing thing is, is that any organization can have an individual that has an agenda through their education or their personal circumstances and they can push for something. But I think what I was probably, why did I offer that out? I think because probably saying, but we can't not do something that is inherently the right thing to do because of the fear of yeah. an individual or a couple of individuals or even a group of individuals, you know, depending on course the size of an organization. Yeah. that might try and usurp it and turn it into something. But actually that's okay because we, we then need to face into that because to not, to not do it because of, well, you know, poor people can start to have an agenda and well, yes. And if they do, we'll be ready for that. Yeah. I think, you know, I think if um, every voice is valid, I suppose when we, um, when I set up the employee communities or, you know, networks, I suppose what I was really, I understood at first, a number of people that join networks generally have a story or, or are motivated to make a change for a reason. And I love that. Like, I absolutely love them because they push me as well. But um, although I was quite happy to have a kind of, let's get it all on the table, a few sessions after that, I'm like, well, okay, we know what's happened. What are we going to do about it? So turning that kind of into traction around making things better for all. Um kind of positive I know there are some bad stories out there you know that you know everybody's got them so there's something there about just taking the time to listen even if you don't want to hear it but then saying thank you for sharing that now what are we going to do about it so it doesn't happen again and, and that's really powerful and I think that you know I said at the beginning we we did the survey that was anonymous when we try and launch things like the maternity policy or the welfare audit or whatever we're doing I try to say you you said you wanted this and we've listened to that and we've done this and don't get me wrong there are a number of things I'm still trying to push through and still trying to get through and that's it's just going to take time um and that can be frustrating especially I think when people don't work um when they only see what they see but I know that we are trying to push those things through so um that works quite nicely because if you have a, a place where people kind of get everything on the table and then nothing happens and they think why did I bother and that's the worst place to be so when you look, you know, I guess forward into the next 12 months, 18 months, two years, whatever it may be, is it, and this is, is it as simple as just, when I say more of the same, that's not too... You froze just at the right moment oh, there, I'm, simple I'm, as, and then you went... Hey, Bob, that's actually, I'm just, just really still just to trick you. But <laughs> it, is it, and it's not as simple as, but is it 
actually, guy, it's it's just continuing to beat that drum. Or is there a future state where you're going, you know, my big, hairy, audacious goal is, you know, yeah. where, where are you sort of focusing and putting your energy? Uh, so um, we have ambitions. I think I said that I said that uh, before, and, and um, we have to pop them here. So I'm gonna I'll read I'll read a couple of them because uh, I don't know them um, off the top of my head. I do know what they are, but they actually work yeah. better on this. So, um, so the, the first ambition is uh, to be reflective of the communities in which we work, uh, with an increased focus on attracting more women and more BAME communities. Can I get you to just you know, all levels? Can you bring that into the the, the oh, sorry, really... <laughs> yeah, every time yeah, you turn sorry. your head, I lose you. So just, just do that again for me. Speaker. So I'll say it again. Uh, to be reflective of the communities in which we work with an increased focus on attracting and retaining more women and BAME communities at all levels. So from the beginning, I said the gender is just so huge. It's so huge that there's so much to do that actually you can be completely overwhelmed and the tracking of stuff. Um, I find that gender and um, race or ethnicity actually are, are quite easily understood um, by the workforce. And actually, not that it's easy because none of it is easy, but it kind of helped me focus our attention. So um, I track all that stuff, where we are now um, and our ambitions for the future. I haven't put a number on it. So it, I haven't got, I just want it and I'm seeing I've only been on this journey for a couple of years. I'm seeing like a 1%, 1%. And it sounds like, well, what's 1%? But 1% is massive. It's big. It, it, 1% is progression. So I'm good with that. Yeah. So um, that's not to say we're not looking at disability or LGBTQ plus or anything, because we're looking at all of that broadly, because that comes under the third ambition, which I'll talk about. So that's one of the first ones that we did. And the, sorry, just to say there, the communities in which we work. So this is an important one. So we have 400 sites. Um, in the UK and what I expect to see in the city of London would probably be very different to what I'd expect to see in South Wales you know so I, I can break down my stats um, so I know what's happening where and uh, that really helps because like you say if you're if you're recruiting from the local demographic which is right and should be leaving a legacy in the local demographic yeah you can't force that any gender right. Yeah, it's different to the geography, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then it's around in see to see an increase in the diversity of employees progressing within Tarmac and, and progress HR folks. That means looking at succession pipeline. So okay, right at the very top of our organization, it's not particularly diverse at the moment in its kind of diversity sense, what you can see. But when I look down the down the organization, I can see that that's changing, the grassroots is definitely changing. And the third one, which is pretty huge, um, which is all the stuff we've talked about here, is to review and remove all barriers, ensuring accessibility for every stage of career. So recruitment, development, progression, ensuring everyone, regardless of diversity, can reach a potential with us. So that's reviewing everything, and that's massive. And there's a big like work plan behind all of that, from how we recruit and who goes on development courses, um, who we associate ourselves with, how we shortlist, you know, there's like a huge um, plan that goes behind that. And all of those things were just constant, yeah, constant drumbeat, I guess, is, is the way to say it. But also I think don't be don't be fixed on it. It's fluid. This agenda moves every day. Who knows what's going to hit Twitter this afternoon? Who knows what some big corporation are going to do? <laughs> and it's got a, a movement. Love that. I love the, um, I love the not knowing. It's great. And I think it's come at a beautiful time. I mean, with the whole nature of where we are and social media was one thing and then yeah. with, with covid it's created this whole we were just joking about it beforehand that when covid started you know we were kind of all in our suits for the first week you know yeah. on, on zoom and you know you wouldn't let your cat or your dog into the room and now i'm just i'm i, I was doing a pitch to the client the other day and you know literally you know his cat jumps on the table he doesn't mind i've got my kids in the background he you know not yeah. we don't care because okay. things are shifting so it's uh it feels like these are these topics 20 years 10 years ago my god five yeah. years ago yeah. um no less legitimate but harder to do something about probably and it feels like there is a moment in time now where we can we can go on this yeah i think um so there's a couple of things there i think um the working from home thing has uh, the mindset around that as has moved forward dramatically from a lot of non-believers 
So uh, we talk about outputs a lot. You know, if someone can get a job done, whether that be the middle of the night because that works for their school run or their sleeping habits or whatever, or, you know, during four hours, they do as much as they're expected to do in eight hours because they work like really hard. I think um, I think that's really changed COVID. So that's great. So what is the new normal is really interesting. The other barrier, though, Guy, and it is a big barrier, and it's something that we've been working on, is social mobility and access. So we um, talk a lot about kind of hotspots and cold spots within the UK, and we're working really hard with a number of charities that work with underprivileged areas where people don't have a laptop and can't interview via Zoom because they simply haven't got access to that. So I think as employers with social um, consciences, you know, Although we're all like fast forward into like interviewing on Zoom, but just always encourage everybody to slow down and kind of go, right for me, I don't have to take that commute every day and and rush to drop the kids off at 7am. But for others, actually, this isn't great. So we just need to always be thinking a bit broadly. And I encourage anybody that's listening to think about that before they 100% change something to something that's going to have barriers for other people because there will be done. Well, listen, um, I'm just been looking at my notes and we've covered a huge amount there you know we have and so I'm going to uh just because you know with a bottle of wine and a curry I could go on about this you know for some time anytime we discovered we live real close we could could jog over to each other as it turns out which is is hilarious so um I'm sure we'll we'll keep the conversation going but uh so I'm just going to bring us to to a close I think for this because uh, I think I listen to I'm alert to people's listening kind of uh times and and just also it seems like a good place but just on a personal note i think i find it uh it's lovely to speak to somebody that has the passion it's lovely to speak to somebody that has the the drive for a topic and it's not just an intellectual exercise you know i can i can see it coming out of you and uh and that's a beautiful thing so just for me and, and the listeners uh of this uh podcast and for those that maybe from you know tarmac sort of dialing in uh, i think you've done it proud as a topic and as a motivation and i think it serves you know really well so i'm just going to say thank you so much ah, that's really nice of you to say and thank you i think i'm um, in a unique position where i've got a job that plays to everything that i believe in which is unusual so um thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it and yeah, if any of your uh, listeners want to find me i'm on uh, linkedin as louise houston and always open to having conversations thank you link in the description so i'll press the stop button and we'll hang around for a couple of seconds bear with me okay that's it so i hope you enjoyed the episode please share so others get to hear about us and subscribe so you keep up to date on new episodes also visit livingbrave.com if you want to connect with me and find out more about executive coaching team effectiveness and changing culture oh and of course you can buy my book living brave leadership on amazon so on that note see you soon